0: And welcome to the Main Street Marketers on 88.7 WJMF, the beat for Bryant University. I'm your host, Glenn Fontaine. And the Main Street Marketers is a radio show and podcast series that aims to help small business owners and entrepreneurs with their marketing and growing their business. And over the uh, over the series, we've had a number of uh, small business owners and also marketers in the small to medium-sized business area. But my guest today, we are very excited to have come in because he's going to be able to provide a, a very unique perspective on some of the challenges that small businesses in Rhode Island are facing. And that uh, and my guest today is uh, the Lieutenant Governor of Rhode Island, Daniel McKee. Dan, thank you very much for coming. In. Or can I call you Dan? Or should I call Dan, you Lieutenant Dan's Governor? Dan's great. Are you sure? Dan's great. Yes. Uh,
1: yeah, that's uh, usually, uh, usually that's okay. Hey. Sorry.
0: My first time having uh, having somebody yes. uh, with your title come in, so please, no, I'll is, call you
1: whatever you'd like. <laughs> I, think that that, I think
0: that works just fine. <laughs> Excellent. Um, you know, Dan, we had had uh, some experience working together. For those of you who listen to the show may know, I had started uh, a couple of years ago working for the East Granite Chamber of Commerce as a marketing director and uh, still work with that organization now in my company, Dauntless Advertising. And Over that time, you know, have uh, had the opportunity to um, work with uh, Lieutenant Governor and his staff on a number of projects, Uh, most recently um, as part of his uh, Advanced Rhode Island television series uh, where we did a... um a, a Q&A with some uh, local business owners at Finn's Harborside in East Greenwich. East Greenwich was one of 30, uh, 39 other uh, cities and towns in Rhode Island that made up that tour. So I thought the lieutenant governor could uh, could offer some unique insights um, to some of the uh, the challenges facing small businesses. And we're also going to talk a little bit about the idea of uh, marketing uh, a political campaign too. So uh, try and get some insights into that. So, you know, Dan, thank you very much for coming in.
1: Yeah, this is great. And I, I think that the theme of our office has been the number 39 you know, so you're talking about branding and 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 trying to do things that that that, that uh, certainly comes from my business experience as a small business person myself, um, running a small real estate business, a health club. Uh, we have a family uh, heating and uh, energy business that's uh, been in the family since my grandfather started that as a ice business. so we we understand the this roller coaster that uh, that we're on and economically in the state of Rhode Island and uh, one of the things that appealed to me about the office of lieutenant governor, after being mayor of the town of Cumberland for 12 years, uh, was that uh, we I got to advocate for the interests of the small businesses, and we really want to reverse this this um, this trend that we've been under, where we're first in and last out of these uh, you know national economic downturns, mm. and we got to be very intentional about that. So mm. that's why that 39 became a very important number. Um, What? was well, not 38, 38 studios, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's one better, <laughs> uh, but, uh, the, um, but the idea is that every community counts and every person who lives in those communities count for Rhode Island, every business that's in those communities counts. So, you know, so that, that's basically the branding that we did and that, then that's why we got to meet you down in East Greenwich, East Greenwich with the, um, the, the chamber Excellent, uh, and so it's been it's been good work.
0: Excellent. So one of my questions was, you know, I just um, I, anecdotally I knew that you and your family had a you know had a rich history of business in the in, in the northern Rhode Island area. But so my question to you was, what had what initially kind of drove you to politics and public service? You know, coming from the private sector like
1: that. So. My college was political science and education. Those were my degrees, and but I think that uh, I always had intended to kind con- to open up my own business. Mm-hmm. I wanted my own schedule, uh, <laughs> and so I would always. Uh, you know, kid, my dad, because my dad was uh, running the oil business like, I'll, I'll work with you, but I don't want to work for you. you know, that, <laughs> that, that 22, 23 year old, uh, type of, uh, you know, uh, attitude, I guess that I, that I brought out. But, but we did, I, we, we opened up a, a real estate office. We, uh, you know, I, 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 I bought a few pieces of property and, and had a realtor's license, had an office. Uh, and then that rolled into the uh, the health club and hmm. and working uh, in that area for years. So, but the main thing that got me into politics was that I had been involved in the community for uh, forever. My dad started the Boys Club in our town, when in the in the 50s. Oh, really? Okay. And so that was my you know I was a member there. I grew up uh, at 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 the Boys and grew Boys Club. I, I I became a board member. I became president of the. Of the Boys Club, I, when I was president, we changed the name to the Boys and Girls Club in the in the early 80s. Um, started the endowment fund there, so very connected in with the community mm. that way, right? In terms of community service, so I think that's where it starts. Do you really, do you really love your community? Uh, you know, it's. I think it's very local, in my opinion. Yeah. Interest there. I don't think you just shoot to to a national level and think, oh, I I understand what's happening locally. So. When I was asked by uh, one of the former mayors, Mayor Alger, if I would run for a a district uh, seat on the council, well, it it worked. That that was okay in my schedule, and I served there for two years. And then I I left because we had one of those economic downturns Mm. uh, in the 90s. The banking crisis—we oh, all sure. we yep. can remember that, right? Yep. And that impacted our business in Woonsocket, where we were right across the street, basically from Marquette Credit Union, and mm. about four hundred million dollars was uh, was trapped uh, in that and in, in frozen during that time. And mm. and we had some really serious issues in the early nineties. Uh, with business, our business. So I had, a I left the town council, not thinking I would come back to tell you the truth. And, uh, but then another friend was running for mayor and he asked me to do the same thing. So I ran again and having a, a good name and, uh, you know, I've been involved with community uh, work. Um, I was very electable. And I think that's a good lesson to people is that, look, you. Got, the first thing that comes is if you want to get elected, you really have to show an interest in your community.
0: Yeah, you know, I think that that's really, really important to note, because I think that a lot of people, you know, when you th- when they think about politics, they immediately go to the top billing, you know, that, you know, they think that they're active in politics because, you know, they may be reading the Chirons on CNN about, you know, pre- the president or something like that, when in reality, I mean, you know, obviously, there are big decisions made, but so much of what really impacts us on a day to day basis is really happening on a municipal level. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that sometimes, you know, people often turn kind of a blind eye to that and they focus on, you know, kind of what the, the sexy things are, you know, what. What's happening in Congress or what's happening in the White House, when in reality, there's so much the really important stuff is happening on the ground in their local community. I think
1: that's a great observation. And that's what's happening right now in Rhode Island that we all should be concerned about. There's a national agenda. The Progressive Party has a national agenda. And they look at Rhode Island as a kind of a soft touch uh, that they can come in and impose uh, for instance, like single pay uh, health insurance, you know, so that um, and and but but have a single state like Rhode Island try to absorb that we can't afford that. So mm-hmm. I think that w- really, if you're really all in on your local communities, you're all in on you your, your your state, um, then um, you, you'll find if that's a path that, you know, that you have a, you know, a, a skill set for. And so when I was serving on the, on the town council in Cumberland and saw that we were headed in the wrong direction financially, I, I, I did throw my hat in the ring, um, to become mayor. And I, I got beat in a three-way race uh, the first time I did it, but I came back two years and later and, 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 and was able to get elected. And then we worked real hard on the finances in town. So and we corrected a number of things. We had five point downgrade on the bond rating when we showed up uh, the, a week before I showed up. and we recovered all those points uh, in um, in four years. Mm-hmm. Five, we got five upgrades, or almost five upgrades in four years. Um, and then as we're going to talk a little bit about, about campaigning well I mm. lost the next election after doing all <laughs> that work and I'm saying hey <laughs> wait a minute we did a lot of work and but we didn't pay attention to it didn't have a big turnout in the primary uh, and then came back two years after that because I had a great deal of support and went on a two to one margin and, and served for eight more years and then I saw a, a reason that on the state level the small business in particular education and Helping strengthen municipalities um, is a, is a real important thing to make the Rhode Island a good place to live. Hmm. You know, you just, you just touched on something that was that I was going to ask you about.
0: You know, so. You know, you've you know, you come in and you have this mess that you clear up with the bonds, and you know, you're you know, you thinking that you're going to did a great job, and then you end up you know losing the next election. You know, being the politician is often a thankless job, and really in any kind of public service. So, what is your experience like? Been what What is the experience like being a politician? You know, the good parts and the bad parts of it.
1: Yeah, so I think again, it really comes back to um, having a strong interest in in, and 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 in, in playing a role uh, that helps create a community that uh, people can, uh, can live in. And I, I, I do it with three, three made three, three, uh, you know, three-legged stools, so to speak. You need to have great schools. You need to have, uh, you know, a, a safe and fiscally, uh, sound, um, a community, and you need to have an economy, uh, in that, com- in that community that actually can sustain yourself. So, yeah, the, you don't. The, 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 remember, even in a even in a, a big election, if you win, if you if you get sixty percent of the people in the town that say, "Hey, that I'd like to have you serve," four uh, out of the ten hate your guts. That four <laughs> out of ten are saying, "I'm not, I'm not in with you." So it's a it's a numbers game, and um, but at the same point, once you once you get elected, um, you really are if you're dedicated to try to create a, a, a strong community. Uh, as I said, I mean the public safety issues, right? The finance issues, and the and the school issues are all the most important thing. And you have a plan, and you live by that plan, then and you execute that plan, uh, then there's a great deal of satisfaction that comes from knowing that you really have served your community well, mm. uh, and <coughs> you put up with not put up with, but your door is always open to every all ten, you know, all hundred percent. But you know that, uh, you know, in this world that, you know, in that world that you don't get full agreement all the time. Right. But you do get – you can gain respect from the over majority of the people in the community, even those who don't support you. If they feel as though you're being honest with them, you're being open with them, and then you're really working hard to make your community a great place to live. So. Excellent. Um so now as part of the show, um, I asked all my guests to come
0: in and uh, and provide uh, their top five favorite songs. And uh, the reason I do that is uh, marketing is a very you know creative process. And I yes. feel like that someone's uh, taste of music can kind of give you a little bit of peek into uh, some of their sensibilities and some of their tastes. So um, I, I you provided your top five, and these are in no particular order. But uh, the first one that we're going to play is a song by Little Big Town, and that's Good People. Uh, could you tell us a little bit why this made it in your top yeah, five? So
1: um, I can tell you that. I uh, I've shifted into uh, under, uh, liking country music. Okay. Right. And uh, a few years back, what was and, the impetus to get you into country music? Because I've 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 liked old
0: country, like Johnny yeah, Cash and yes. stuff. But this new new stuff, I'm not really like. I call it pop with a twang. It's not really
1: for me. But I uh, I'm curious what got you into it. <coughs> I'm just being open to anything. Yeah. Okay. And then started listening to some of it. and I kind of enjoyed it. Excellent. Uh, but I still enjoy you know wide but little big town, so. I chaired the National Lieutenant Governor's Association this past year, um, and uh, we, I had my—the last meeting I chaired was in Nashville, uh, and we had been listening to uh, Little Big Town a little bit. But My wife, Susan, we bought the CD, and we found out that they were playing right at the Ryman Theater down there. It was oh. a big, big, uh, you know, that's kind of like where the Grand Ole Opera— Right, right, yeah, out, that's, right? A, that's a hub for music yeah, down there, yeah. So we bought tickets for Little Big Town, and we went there and really enjoyed it, so it's— so it's not only that the music uh, we enjoy the music is fun music, but also uh, you know you got uh, you build a certain amount of memories around around sure. your experiences. So you're in uh, with the Lieutenant Governors Association with multiple Lieutenant Governors around the country, and then you shift into a theater that you read about. I never been to Nashville before, hmm. and then you have and then you have that experience. And always uh, have that recollection. Uh, and it yeah. was it was fun. Excellent. So I actually, you know, right now my uh, birthday present from my wife Susan we're bringing our son and our daughter we're going to be at Mohegan Sun on the 23rd we're going to see a Little Big Town again excellent excellent.
0: Yes. alright so uh, with that uh, this is Little Big Town with their song Good People and you're listening to the Main Street Marketers on 88.7 WJMF the beat of Bryant University
2: happy people don't cheat happy people don't Judge, or hold a grudge, don't criticize. Happy people don't hate, happy people don't steal. Cause all the hurt sure ain't worth all the guilt they'd feel.
3: If you wanna know the secret, can't buy it, gotta make it. You ain't ever gonna be it
2: by taking someone else's away.
3: Never take
2: it. Ready. you don't have to understand it, here's to whatever puts a smile on your face, whatever makes you happy people, happy people don't fail, happy people just learn, don't think they're above the push and shove, they just wait. i hey. Never miss your head.
0: We are back on the Main Street Marketers on eighty-eight point seven WJMF, the beat of Bryant University. I'm your host Glenn Fontaine here with my guests, uh, the Lieutenant Governor of the State of Rhode Island, Daniel McKee. Uh, did we just uh, we just heard uh, Dan's first of his five favorite songs, and we're going to get into uh, a little bit now about um, about some of Dan of uh, the Lieutenant Governor's perspectives on uh, small business. So. Um, you know, you kind of uh, you started to kind of get into it at the at the at the outset of the show. Just um, some of your experience um, personally in the private sector uh, first with uh, your family's oil business, and then you moving into real estate, and then uh, and then on into uh, into health clu- into a uh, health club. Excuse me. Um, so is that prior experience kind of why you've made small businesses kind of such a big part of your agenda as lieutenant governor now?
1: Well, I chair the small business advocacy council, mm. and I knew that going in, and I kind of describe it by saying, you know, it's a you know, you have if I if I put my hands together, close together, but but I try to widen it so that so that I so that I um, are able able to use that advocacy to kind of really help the small business in the state. So that theme of thirty nine I talked about. So now we're there's fourteen different industries in the state, and we're making an intentional effort to try to get into every one. Mm. Uh, but if we go to a restaurant or a diner, or a cup of coffee. We go to all 39 communities. Mm. So it, that was the first one, right? It was 39 the, the, the cups of coffee. 39 right. cups of coffee. Yeah. And that came from the campaign, actually. I did that in the campaign to, to be intentionally in every town and every city and meeting with people. And that was a little bit different because I was a candidate. A lot of people didn't know me, but we were able to just say, look, we're in the community and mm. we, th- we, we think it matters. And so we, that really worked really well. So we said that's what we're going to do. We're going to get out. And we're going to meet with the business owners. We're going to talk to people that are in, you know, that work in the, in the, in these businesses. We're going to bring in municipal leaders, state leaders, and talk about just three basic questions is, okay, what's going on good? (laughs) What's not going on well? Yeah. And how do we, how do we improve on both? And so right from the very beginning, our, my idea was to, um, gather information, um, get in every community and do that. Uh, and then try to increase the business friendliness in the state of Rhode Island. And I think that we're incrementally improving right now. I think we have a little ways to go, but we are making progress on that. And so we did a <coughs> excuse me, a farm tour. Hmm. That was fantastic. We started The to, farming community is not something that you, most people would
0: equate to Rhode Island, but there is. No, there's, there's a, and, there's and, a and that presence. came
1: through the lieutenant governors. So when I became chair of the lieutenant governors, I said, you know, I'm going to get out and spend a day here and a day there. And I had was invited to go to Iowa to the farm show. And so I said, I'll go there. Now, not really thinking about farms in Rhode Island at that time the mm-hmm. same way. But then I said to I, I said, Well, let's to our, our staff and, and let's find out about farming in Rhode Island. And let's see. So when I get, make that visit to mm-hmm. Iowa with four or five lieutenant governors from come from all the farm belts, I can bring back information that can help our farmers. And so mm-hmm. when we looked at that, we found we had these various farms in the state. We had blueberry farms in Warwick. We had oyster farms yeah. off the bay. <laughs> we had poultry farms in Johnston. We had beef bonds, uh, bar, uh, farms, uh, you know, natural uh, beef beef farming going on down in um, Jamestown and and uh, East Greenwich. So we, we so we visited them all, and then what we did was we we started a TV show called "Advanced Rhode Island" because we wanted to document all this. So hmm. for a number of reasons. One of them was that people, I wanted to let people know what we were doing, that we were working hard. And public awareness, too. I mean, it, <coughs> you just named off a lot
0: of these, I mean, I've only lived in the state for 10 years, but a lot of these types of farms that I didn't know Rhode Island, I didn't know we had a blueberry farm in Rhode Island. Like, no, because you know, I mean, it, it, you're always thinking it's the vegetable farm, right? Uh, or, I just, I mean, I, it's it's funny because, you know, it, once you get west of, like, 295, like, Rhode Island turns into, like, an almost different state. And yes. you know, what's funny is, is that, you know, for, for me, at least personally, like, I'm always kind of within the 295 mm. belt, so, like, you know, outside of that is like, you know, that's where the dragons live. Like, I have no idea what goes on beyond there, you know, but uh, there's a a lot of that agriculture that goes on there, and I think that's what's interesting is is that, you know, they're facing a lot of the same obstacles, um, you know, going up against, like, the Monsantos of the world that, you know, our local brick-and-mortar retailers are fighting against, like, the Amazons of the world. But just because, you know, these two entities, you know, these farming entities don't have the name recognition or aren't as visible as their counterparts, they're not getting the same attention that the small businesses are. So I think that's great. Yeah, they they
1: they have this uh, this, uh, objective uh, to put 50% of the food on the table uh, 50% of the food would be by 2060, I think it is that that would come from New England or Rhode Island farming. Mm. And so there's there's a whole industry emerging there and uh, but what was really good like you were saying about that that line on 295, look the, that number 39 we're really serious about. And so if you're serious about it, you need to go to each and every community and you need to anchor in and hear what's happening in every community. Mm. And this is a way to do that. I mean, we're, we're doing it in other ways, uh, but on the business side, that's what we've been We're in the middle of a manufacturing tour now. I think we've, hit, uh, the, we've uh, been to about 20, 2022, 20, I think right now, head into 39. Then we'll get into retail and then we'll continue to work. But what it does is it, when I went to Newport the other night to a, uh, to a meeting, the Democratic committee down in Newport, and I said, oh, let me see how many times I've been to Newport and how I got there. Mm. And so, hell, it was Mel Diners, Diners on Broadway, right? It was the Swiss farm in terms of the, which is an interesting farm where they're we're dealing with a lot of um, uh, issues that have to do with uh, raising, raising cattle and, 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 and breeding and, and hybrids and strategies mm. like that, right here in Rhode Island. And then so when you f- go to all these places, I mean, we, I think we had almost 20 visits in Newport. When you talk about the radio show down there, sure. you talk about the, 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 you, the um, Naval War College. I mean, I threw the first ball out. All the uh, way down to Newport. You went over the, way the to bridge there. and everything? Yes, yeah, so all <laughs> the way. To- <laughs> yes. And so, but we've done that in every community. Yeah, And uh, that's really been a, um, I think, a highlight for me in the three years that we've, we've been able to um, visit every single community. And uh, I'm I'm very comfortable whether it's Broad Street and Westley, or Broad Street in Cumberland, or Broad Street and and Providence, and uh, that's that's been very very helpful with have that theme and that effort, and our staff has been doing a great job making sure I get my feet in the ground, and it's great to be here today to kind of extend that sure. and let people know more about the things that we're doing in that area. So let me ask you my next question and then in three parts to kind of take
0: off of your idea of asking the three questions. So what have been some of the common answers that you've been getting across um, from, from your different visits on what's good right now um, for businesses in Rhode Island?
1: Yeah, so we started by – there's a, a company called Thumbtack, Glenn. Yep, well, I'm familiar with that. All right, yeah. so Thumbtack, uh, when I was in the campaign, they had given us about a third F in a row on business friendliness <laughs> as they surveyed our, our service businesses in the state. And we invited them. I got in the office. I said, you know, I got here. Would, would you come out and tell us why? You know, let, hmm. let's find out why. So this is the first thing we did. We had them come in twice in 2015. We assembled some of the businesses that were given as poor marks. And the first thing that I think that, and it's been consistent, uh, that message when we actually convened them twice in the, in the spring and the fall of 2015 with Thumbtack and uh, you know, uh, actually monitor. Uh, you know, monitoring the the, the meetings. Um, they, the, right now, they just want to know that they're being heard. Mm. That, that's really the one of the most, the, the, the thing is that, you know, they're out there slugging it out. It's not easy to be in small business. They're providing jobs, um, uh, a good portion of the jobs and the employment in the state of Rhode Island is coming from our small business. And I think they felt as though that they weren't being listened to. And uh, I think the more that they feel as though they're being listened to, uh, the higher our you know favorability in terms of small business friendliness is going ri- to rise.
0: Now, where do you think that they're not being heard by? Uh, is it their you know their local their local um, representatives, or is it you know the you know the more of the entities like the you know the secretary of state's office? Like who is who is that entity that they feel like that so, they're being shut out I by? So I
1: think it's a combination of things, but I think it starts with the perception that. Uh, the state and local communities are willing to really go after the blue chip companies mm. and really focus the resources on the blue chip companies. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> that's what you read about, and that's what they read about. And they, they say, well, we're here, we're investing in our communities, and yet new people come in and they get more favorable treatment on taxes or different types of programs. So I think that's one of the things. And I think that locally we're, we're finding that, a number of businesses, are, uh, you know, uh, we're spending a great deal of time on the national grid and utility issues. We we have intervening with the public utility commission on several several things uh, that have to do with leveling the playing field between the shareholder and the ratepayer, and we're finding in our visits that uh, these are type of the type of customer service things. Businesses waiting months for telephone poles or, or months for for transformers to be installed, mm. and they and they're buying equipment and yet that equipment's sitting on their floor and they can't use it because they're not getting a response from the national grid. So it's it's a combination of of, of government not really um, sh- putting their resources into the small business community in a way that they feel as though comfortable with, uh, and then and then entities that they need to get service from uh, not giving the attention to that. I mean, an example was the windstorm that we had uh, in the fall and, and mm-hmm. we had a big outage and we had businesses calling me and saying, I can't, th- we should be getting on back online and we're not and, and it was going three, four, five days. So we put legislation in this year to uh, make <clears throat> the utilities accountable to respond mm. in a timely way. Otherwise they could get fined as legislation in both Massachusetts and Connecticut have. So hopefully we're going to get some traction on that. And those are the type of big things you bring back but then there's a bunch of small things. And I'll give you two examples. You mentioned when we were down in Harbicide, right, the restaurant yeah. uh, down in East Greenwich. Yep. So um, people were talking in that in that frame, and we're taking information. When we were in North Kingstown, uh, somebody got up and said, hey, you know, the paint recycling fee is, is really hurting my uh, contracting business. And we find out that we're charging too much for the paint recycling fee, and we're we're also charging a sales tax on that fee, Mm. which was really—so we're trying to get that fee lowered uh, so that uh, the businesses and then also the residents and the hardware stores in particular, you know, those $1,000 here, $2,000 there, uh, they would appreciate if that goes down. We found out in the microbrewers that we were taxing the kegs, the physical kegs, and yet in Connecticut and, 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 and Massachusetts, they're not taxing those kegs, Clint. So so it's a combination of those big things that I talked about, yeah. right? And
0: then it's it's just – And that's something that you only get when you're talking to somebody. You're not going to be able to probably pick that up if you're looking at a ledger sheet. That yeah, has, but you know, I, I think miles. that
1: we make the mistake. And I, and I kind of did a little bit in the campaign uh, thinking, oh, I'm going to have this – with This one, two, three, four, five list, and we if we do all those things, then we then we we transfer it to, to a lot more small business friendliness. No, it's the it's the tax on the kegs. Mm. It's the, I can't get my electric pole up in time. I can't get I can't get into my house because we're not getting a response from the electric company. I, I can't hold on to my mortgage rate because that's gonna that's that's going to expire on me. Mm. It's it's uh you know this paint care issue, which I'm I'm paying too much money for that, and that's costing me a couple thousand bucks a year. Uh, well, that's a couple thousand bucks a year for a paint contract. So, it's it's a combination of, and exactly what you said, you get out and you and you talk to people, um, you you let them know you care. You run a a TV show that you can that you can actually distribute to people, hmm. so their stories heard. Uh, that's how you start building confidence up. We know that in that meetings with the thumbtack with the businesses that. Um, small businesses, starting businesses, that $500 minimum tax a year that, that a small business has to pay, uh, that for for some businesses who are earning a lot, grossing a lot of money, it's a drop in the bucket. But for businesses who are starting up, that's a big number to pay, 500 bucks. So I know that we've been ratcheting it down. I think it's going down 50, 50. It's down to 400 bucks. Um, I'd like to see that for new businesses and and businesses that aren't grossing more than uh, you know a few thousand bucks a week. Uh, that, that number gets down to virtually nothing. And then the businesses that are doing a couple hundred thousand dollars a week of business, they pay maybe a slightly more and and average it out. But those are the type of things that the small business community will uh, respond to if you're, if you're listening to them and then you actually go and trying to help out. Excellent. Um, so we're going to move
0: into um, your next song on your top five. Um, and uh, we're going to get back into that in a second. Um, the next one was uh, by Lou Harris and Mark, uh, if I'm hoping I'm pronouncing this right, Knoppler? Knoppler? Yes. Uh, Love and Happiness. Love uh, and Happiness, yes. That's another kind of a country. But, a very but, positive but it, vibe to a lot of your songs. Like, but it's good a, people. <laughs> yes, but <laughs> I like it's, uh,
1: But it's um, also, that's a flashback to the area that you said maybe that country, or, I mean, Lou Harris, she's been around for a long yeah, time. Yeah. So my family's very involved in music um the best I did was when I was in high school the, the the play I came off the basketball court and I sang the uh the lead song for Oliver on the stage so that's that's my whole career but we have a number of people in our in my family including my daughter Kara that um sang al capello in 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 college and 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 so anyway so there's been music around all our family gatherings Emily Lou Harris was one of my the favorites of of my uh my brothers and uh, and, and, and our kids. So <clears throat> we find that that's, we have a music, uh, uh, day every year in our family where all the family comes in, in terms of my nieces and my nephews and they, and music is like oh, the great. whole day. So that's the, uh, the duet that I sing with my daughter, love and happiness. So I, I, I think of my, uh, my family and my daughter when I hear that. Plus I enjoy Emily Lou Harris.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. All it right. Is. Well, let's uh, let's jump into it then. Um, this is Emily Harris with Love and Happiness, and you're listening to the Main Street Marketers on 88.7 WJMF, the beat of Bryant University.
4: Here's a wishing well,
0: here's
4: a penny for any thought it is that makes you Every diamond dream Everything that brings Love and happiness To your life
3: Is a rabbit's foot Take it So you because of what you own. even in the deepest dark because you're built of cannon balls, their motto is do tread on me come here uncle john's bed, playing to the tide come with me or go alone he's come to take his children It's the only one you know Like the morning sun you come And like the wind you go Ain't no time to hate Barely time to wait Tune. I got me a violin and I beg you call tune Anybody's choice, I can hear your voice Oh, oh, what I want to know, oh, how does the song go? Come hear Uncle John's band by the pale beside got some things to talk about here beside the rising tide come here up John's dance and to the tide
0: Back on the Main Street Marketers on eighty-eight point seven WJMF, the Beat of Bryant University. I am your host, Glenn Fontaine, and we're here with my guest, the Lieutenant Governor of the State of Rhode Island, Dan McKee. Um, so we actually just came out of. Uh, we went. Uh, we closed the last break by going uh, from uh, to Lou Harris, but uh, we actually just came out of uh, the Grateful Dead's Uncle John's Band. Can you tell us a little bit about? Oh yeah, well, they're their top so five. the
1: Grateful Dead is like you know I could name. <laughs> you know I, I I'm not really good at knowing exactly the titles of the song, but when I hear them, I don't I, think they know them. I think
0: they just play. And and like. <laughs> so the Grateful Dead
1: so here's my Grateful Dead story because my brother Mike really loves the Grateful Dead and my brother Jim and uh you know uh, Mike would actually go and 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 see them play and he still follows them now but uh at, you know after uh Garcia uh, you know's death and everything else but so my Grateful Dead story was when the Health Club when we ran the Health Club uh the Boston Celtics won the 1986 World Championship okay and I had uh, contacts true people in Woonsocket. Oh, Bill Walton was a big uh, Grateful Dead guy, and he was our guest at the health club. Oh, no kidding! And we ran a a, a Bill Walton night through the n- local newspapers. And Larry Berman was a sports editor at the time. Now he's now he works with the speaker's office. And 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 so we ran a night. And so the first hour was by like a VIP uh, for all our members yeah. to uh, experience an hour with Walton, Bill Walton. And all we did, we we brought him into our aerobic room, which we could put a hundred people in or so. And all we did was play Grateful Dead music. <laughs> so so and and then my brother Mike had like a Grateful Dead uh, dress shirt on, and and he got Walton to sign it. And then we had the press conference with Bill Walton. And then afterwards, he stick he stuck around, and we had uh, you know in the office we we were just kind of having a couple beers with him for another hour. So it was so that's my Grateful Dead story, and that's how. Uh, you know, our family—you uh, know—really enjoyed the Grateful Dead music, and um, and uh, that's that was kind of like uh, the that that point in time where I can remember. Matching up the Grateful Dead and our and our love for basketball <laughs> yeah. and 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 uh, at, at the same time with uh, with Bill Walton. Excellent. Excellent. Um,
0: so let's get back into um into the small businesses and uh, you know and some of the challenges that they're facing in Rhode Island. So you know we talked a little bit about kind of you know what the what the common object or not the common obje- objections, but the common challenges that you felt that the small business owners were voicing to you. So my question to you is, You know, we know that, you know, legislation is, you know, an arduous process. There's so many different people with different competing priorities and, and, um, you know, initiatives that all kind of want to, you know, feel that they should be first. So if you had a magic wand, you know, you're the ruler of Rhode Island and, (laughs) you know, what you said go, or what you said when, excuse me, um, what exactly do you feel, what do you think would be maybe the top two or three things that you would do immediately to just say, I will change this and, you know, things will be better for everybody?
1: In terms of small business? Yeah, so, maybe
0: you just give me one.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I, I, you know that I, I, I'll answer that by saying there isn't any really one thing. No, that, that's what I. Well, learned. there is no
0: master lever. The, you know, there there is anything, no but. master
1: lever. I think that's what I think that's the point. Is that it's it's about you know the things we just talked about. It's about improving those those areas, um, and um, and 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 then really listening to the small business. And I think that we're starting to show some, um, like training dollars going into the small businesses, which, which resources are starting to flow in, mm. um, where one of the big issues was that, uh, sometimes for financing or, which is a big deal, we want to see more money. So I, I would say the one thing is the, is to figure out a way to loosen up capital to go into these small businesses. That's probably, you know, a very, you know, a very important thing. And what we're finding is that the, um, that money stream is 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 very important, mm. very important. So I, I like the idea that make sure that we have to put good loans out there, but I think that some some people are being restricted from actually expanding their businesses or or opening their businesses in a way because the. The funding is has been very, very difficult. And with the banking crisis and the new criteria, it's, it's become more difficult. But I think what's happening now is it's loosening it up a little bit. Okay. So I, I would say – if I was to say one thing, let's get more financing on the street for the small businesses. All right.
0: Excellent. Yes. Thanks. Um, so I wanted to circle back to um, something you mentioned before just you know about – You know, some of one of the prevailing sentiments of you know small business owners that you know they didn't feel like there was a voice yet. You know, the idea of kind of bringing in these free agent businesses from other parts of the business uh, or from other parts of the country, you know, was seemed to be the state's priority. And you know, Rhode Island isn't alone in that. So my question to you is. Why do you think the kind of the prevailing opinion among amongst most you know most people in politics is that you know to grow the economy that you need to bring in businesses from outside rather than kind of growing the businesses you already have? Why why do you think that that seems to be kind of the you know politics is kind of prone to a lot of groupthink? Why do you think that that's kind of taken over you know just kind of the um you know the main thought process of trying to grow an economy instead of you know trying to invest in the businesses we have here?
1: Yeah, so I think it's a real that's a really good question and. Um, <clears throat> I think that some of it has to do with the, the thought that you know when you when you bring in a big company that, that there's jobs with it. I think that that's true. But when you retain uh, whatever size company it might be, Mayor Palacino and, and Johnston's done a really unbelievable job of of nurturing uh, you know uh, businesses that are uh, big. We, I was just at the uh, citizens open house. There's going to be two thousand jobs there, mm. right? Yeah, you, um, you talk about the new facility off two ninety five. and yeah. so I know that it's it's a big business. But my point here is that the um, the that and I've met met with citizens, and they are going to make a real connection into the small business community there. And there's someone that already had a presence here too. You know, they, they were here, and right. so I mean, for Mayor Palacina, Joe did a fantastic job, and you actually have this. Uh, you know, it was, it was an event to walk through that campus. It's, that's what it is, a campus, and he made it this community connection. So there, there's a place. My point is there's a place for that. When I was mayor of the town of Cumberland, we did a 600,000-square-foot expansion of CVS in, in Cumberland, mm. and we worked through the zoning we work with the neighborhood issues. We work with it, making sure there was open space that was allocated to the to the, the community. So there's a place for the big business, but sure. the But the the small business, you don't get the same, uh, you know, uh, you don't get the same type of publicity off of it. Mm. You know, the, the big one, the big business. Oh man, that's something. But if, you if you land you, Amazon, your names and lights
0: for uh, 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 it, a few weeks, it's like a major Amazon. celebration, right.
1: and, and it does give a positive boost. You don't get the same. You don't get the same. Uh, you know, response from the public like, of cheering on that if you, you just figured Judy's out these ice creams. Yeah, yeah. Hope yeah. yeah, the local manufacturer figure out how to, you know, brook that next two or three people on because they were able to get a contract with. You know, when I visited in Taiwan a few months back, um, we're trying to connect in as best we can. Uh, small businesses in with all those opportunities, but. Those are not front-page stories, so mm. I think that we kind of chase that. We chase the big fish more. That makes a lot of sense, right? Yeah, and uh, it's kind of natural, and there's a value to it. So you don't want to say that's not a good idea. CVS coming in with a thousand jobs in a town of Cumberland when we were there—that was a big deal. That was, mm. but at the same point in time, I think that we need to pay attention uh, to the small businesses that are actually here, uh, and un- with the understanding that the um, the response that they will give you over periods of time will move a very positive type of um, uh, enthusiasm inside the inside the inside the, your communities. And hmm. so, I think we tend to tend to spend a little bit too much time on trying to land that big fish. And what I think what's happening now is that we're starting to realize how important those small businesses are to the to the to, the, to, the, to, the, to our community. You're seeing that on some of the some of the work that's being done to promote the small businesses, And uh, I think and it's going to be a key to the state of Rhode Island that we make sure that we, we grow those, whether it's in the manufacturing or the farming or the food industry, the hospitality industry.
0: And it's the idea of diversification too. You know, I mean, if we, you know, I, I look at these, you know, some of these towns and municipalities that are falling over themselves to try to get Amazon to put their next distribution center there, or yep. I, I'll even eliminate the idea of the new headquarters. You know, yes. that whole thing. But they're falling all over themselves, and you know, we don't know what to, what's going to happen ten years from now. Say ten years from now, Jeff Bezos, you know, we come to find out he's this horrible person, and now Amazon. Amazon goes out of business. Well, all these and com- all these towns that were counting on Amazon being there for the next fifty years, and they had given millions of dollars to a building up infrastructure and everything like that, are left out in the cold. Whereas if they had taken that same money, invested it in, say, you know, two hundred small businesses in their community, you know, if you know a quarter of them fail, at least you have three quarters that are still there. You know what I mean? It's just it, to kind of yep. put all your eggs in the one. Smoking.
1: Spoken as a good small business advocate there, <laughs> and we and we like that because you're absolutely right. There's going to be Um, when, when small businesses start, a good example of that is, uh, Ivory Ella, who's down in Westerly and we visited there and they do these elephant t-shirts, t-shirts with elephants on them. And then they expanded their business. They started with 500 t-shirts about five years ago. Uh, and they sold 500 t-shirts in a basement in the, in the home, right on the, right on the Connecticut border. Now they're down there in Westerly. They're ready to expand a, a sixty thousand square foot facility with That's over one hundred and twenty employees, and they and they and, and and their theory there is they're going to sell these T-shirts and it's they're selling them all over the world and then they keep a little bit of the money to save the elephants in uh, you know into a, into the nonprofits. But there's a business that was small and now it's employing more people, and then they're uh, they have the they're connected into the community into a community to to. Um, to help help improve uh, life uh, for the for the for the community that they're serving, so you don't know what small business is going to uh, explode. Uh, and a, a, a absolute example of that is a CVS. CVS started in about a five thousand square foot, four thousand square foot uh, facility on Social Street in Woonsocket. Daniel's Tobacco. No, was it was a Daniel's Tobacco. Wait, wait, say Save Right. No, hmm. Daniel's Tobacco. And so. And now it's a Fortune 500 company. So, not everybody gets there, but uh, you're going to have some entrepreneurship that's going to come in, and you don't know when you open the door uh, for those entrepreneurs how they're going to expand, right? Mm. And that's why I'm visiting college universities around the state and going to their entrepreneur classes and their business classes and saying to them, you know, maybe you didn't grow up in Rhode Island, but Rhode Island's a good place mm. uh, for you to expand. And right now, you can have a small business can do business all over the world and anchored in Rhode Island, just like Ivory Ella does and m- many other the other businesses that we're visiting are doing business all over the world, all over the country, because of the way that, you know, we can market today through social media and other other ways. So, yeah. So you, we should be all in on the small businesses, all in on the small businesses. That's where, the, that's where they're going to start, right? That's what it 100%. all started. It starts yeah. in a garage somewhere, right? Yeah, exactly. You're it exactly starts great. in a garage somewhere. And so yeah. why wouldn't we be embracing – uh, the, the companies that are currently in our communities and supporting those companies too. I think that that's very important as well. Excellent. Um, so we're going to get
0: into your next song. Um, and that is, uh, uh Fire and Rain by James Taylor. Classic. Uh, can you tell us why this made yeah, it? Yeah.
1: So, there? I mean, I like James Taylor. So, um, he was just someone that I, uh, enjoyed when I was growing up. And, um, you know, I think that, uh, he's got a great voice and, um, and so that was kind of the, you know, during my time in college, and I, you know, you you kind of enjoyed listening to... Well, that was to, like required listening back then, wasn't it? Was it? Like, like issued was required listening, yeah, I mean, that, that was just somebody that was a, just a really good performer during the time that I was growing up. So, I mean, when you when you hear that, you know, it's a little mellow, but when you hear, you know, you got a friend or doing this one, Fire and Rain, or whatever mm-hmm. it is, it's kind of brings back those, you get those flashbacks when, uh, you know, when you, were, when you were quite a bit younger, but you still think you're young today, so... Excellent. (laughs) All right, so with that, uh,
0: this is Fire and Rain by James Taylor, and you're listening to the Main Street Marketers on 88.7 WJMF, the beat of Bryant University.
4: Just yesterday morning, they let me know you were gone. Suzanne, the plans they made put an end to you. I walked out this morning, and I wrote down this song. Just can't remember who to send it to I've seen fire and I've seen rain I've seen sunny days that I thought would never end I've seen lonely times when I could not find a friend But I always thought that I'd see you To look down upon me, Jesus. You gotta help me make a stand. You just got to see me through another day. My body's aching and my time is at hand. I won't make it any other way. Whoa, I've seen fire and I've seen sunny days that I thought would never end. I've seen lonely times when I could not find a friend. But I always thought that I'd see you again. Been walking my mind to an easy time. My back turned towards the sun. Lord knows when the cold wind blows it'll turn your head around Well there's hours of time on the telephone line To talk about things to come Sweet dreams and flying machines in pieces on the ground Oh, I've seen fire and I've seen rain I've seen sunny days that I thought would never end I've seen lonely times when I could not find a friend, but I always thought that I'd see you, baby, one more time again. Now, thought I'd see you one more time again. There's just a few things coming my way this time around now. Thought I'd see.
0: And we are back on the Main Street Marketers on eighty-eight point seven WJMF, the Beat of Bryant University. I'm your host, Glenn Fontaine, and we're here with my guest, the Lieutenant Governor of the State of Rhode Island, uh, Dan McKee. So, uh, Dan, we've talked a little bit about your uh, your background, both in the private sector and in politics, and um, some of the experiences you've had, um, you know, with small businesses in the state. Um, but what I wanted to get into now um, is talking about marketing as it relates to uh, being a politician and running for office. So, yes, um, you've announced that you're running again for another term, which I'm very excited yes. to hear and yeah. uh, you have my voice I'll be your first endorsement you've been endorsed <laughs> Thank by, you the, very much. by the mainstream marketers podcast it'll be on yeah. the on the front page of the pro tomorrow uh, <laughs> but um when uh, I wanted to ask you so what are what are some of the biggest challenges you face when marketing your campaign um you know my uh you know I I ask you this cuz in, in marketing right now, the new kind of new cool thing is personal branding. You know, it's trying to take, you know, the owner of a business or someone, you know, very important to the business and kind of making them the face and kind of giving them so giving kind of a peek into their personal lives, you know, what happens kind of beyond the gloss of the front door of the business or whatever, and trying to, you know, kind of experience the journey of owning a business or what it's like running that business kind of from behind the scenes. And I felt like that, you know, the, really the people who have started that, you know, Uh, unbeknownst to them or not, was politicians, because as a politician, your whole life is followed. You know, you have your, you know, your prepared communications and advertisements, but then again, you know, you have reporters that are, you know, asking you questions or following, you know, sometimes seeing you out in public. So you're, you're, I mean, essentially you are the product. So what are the, what are the challenges you face, um, when running a campaign from the marketing aspect of
1: it? So I, I think that, um, the biggest, the big, the biggest thing is 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 name recognition. Okay, that that's that's the that's your no, that's your number one challenge. So when you go from a a community uh, that's three percent of the population, like Cumberland is, and then you try to expand out to um, a larger group, I think that the the challenge is is a name recognition. So mm. and, and and then you take the resources that you have, and then you try to you know do the best you can to get. People to know uh, your name, mm. that, and it's not necessarily probably just about having them remember
0: your name, but remember your name and have a positive you know, have a positive
1: view of it. Have a positive of view of it. So, right. so we, you know, we go back to the family's music day, right? So, um, one of the things that we did because we did in the we had my my daughter and and, and her two cousins, we had them do a, a little video, uh, you know, uh, uh, which was a takeoff on the on the song, but it was Stand By Dan, you know, Stand By Dan, and so. <laughs> Uh, so we were able to kind of use our family, yeah, right, in a way. But then the music, but it's a, as a device also, and yeah, and, 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 to, a, and to and right. to deliver a message that hey, Dan's you know, Dan's somebody that we we want to stand with, and and we stand, and then then the and then we'll say you know which which kind of the main things about you know somebody who's been involved in the community, someone who's been involved in in trying to help improve education, someone who's really all in on on helping the economy, so. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, you use the tools that you can, but mm. your name and exactly what you said. So we would go out into uh, strategically, we had like a guerrilla warfare strategy where we had a number of people who all went with us. And we would go out because we know names were important, but we'd have a very lively group of people that would go out to the street corners and, and or at the uh, farmer's markets or whatever it might be strategically located. And we would make sure that we had big signs that said – you know, Dan McKee and, and create that type of um interest. Mm. And then if you if you're in a very healthy situation and, and 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 that's what you project, then well as you said, that that gives you the image that, hey, this this you know, this you know, and in my case I, I really pride myself on community and I pride myself on family and and that projects out, right? Mm. And I and I wanna make sure that, you know, people know that I'm working every day to kinda make a state a place a good place to live. This next time around is going to be a little bit about, again, it's going to be, again, name, but uh, but there's a little bit more name recognition now because I've been in those 39 cities and towns, sure. right? Um, but it is that projection on um, your values and, 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 and this election I'm going to have is really, really important one for the state, I think, is that we're going to be really talking about things that matter to Rhode Island. And you got this really national core group of messaging that has to do with national, national issues that seem to be coming into the state issues that, um, that I think are, are dangerous uh, if 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 Rhode Island just standing in all its own like a, on a single pay health insurance strategy, right, huh. um, and then be a standalone state on that. Um, Vermont couldn't do it. Uh, it's an idea that has some merit, but to be able to kind of sustain it
0: with one state as small as ours that doesn't, that, doesn't really that's seem the, realistic.
1: That, and exactly. So if you had national you know, national backup and the strategy was to do some sort of a national uh, health care plan, we want people to have health care. Yeah. But you don't want to foolishly step into an area uh, and not be able to um, you know, absorb that financially. Right. And and that I mentioned about municipalities. They need to be fiscally strong. States need to be fiscally strong. So – the the challenge of this campaign is going to be this national move where there's this national progressive party that is interested in, in putting its stamp on some state on these standalone issues, and yet they run counter to what's in the best interest of the people who live in the state – you're going to need to kind of project that. So that's Mm -hmm. going to be a challenge because you're going to have all this national, oh, it's a good, like you said, oh, it's a good idea to have everybody have health insurance. Yeah, no one would disagree on that. But if you're going to do a plan like that, a state that stands alone and increases its um, payroll taxes by double digits, its income taxes by double digits, its passive Mm -hmm. income... Uh, that is going to make, and, and yet you could go one state over if you were business. We just talked about business and you can operate your business. You could still live in Rhode Island, but you could operate your business outside and not have to absorb those increases. This is that level playing field that we really be going to be concerned about. And there's this national agenda that's got a certain amount of, um, momentum, uh, and our campaign has got to be able to s- explain why that's not in our best interest. Yet, if it was a national effort on some of these things, it may make all the sense in the world. But to force Rhode Island to be that first state to go 100% renewable energy Mm. when the cost would be astronomical for us, we need to make sure that we have a little bit of reason and a little common sense in terms of making sure that Rhode Island, whatever progress we're making economically right now, we don't throw that away to satisfy – a national plan that thinks that they can come into Rhode Island and that and, and we're going to be a soft touch mm. for that. So that's that's going to be a challenge in this campaign with a certain amount of you know the resources that you have, but you've got to figure out a way to deliver that message. It's an important one for the state long term. and we and we shouldn't be having outside influences coming in and and really imposing their will on us when it's not in our best interest. So that, that's, going to be a, that's going to be a challenge. We should, be just, we should really be focusing on the things that I've always been focused on. How are we going to get great public schools for the families who live in our state, right? How are you going to create an economy that's going to be able to, the, be able to have jobs in our state, right? And how are you going to make sure that we're, 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 we're safe and healthy in, in all respects? So, um, yeah, that's going to be a challenge. That's okay. going to be a big challenge because nationally uh, there's that move. And yet, it's not in our best interest in the state, and you got to explain to people why. Excellent.
0: Um, so, my next question has a little bit um, to do with more of the minutia of a campaign, and specifically the mechanics of um, you know some of the methods that are used. So, um, it's an opinion question. So. Within political campaigning, uh, there are a lot of strategies that are kind of viewed in the private sector as almost archaic. So um, when you talk about like direct mailers or robocalls or, you know, uh, door-to-door canvassing and things like that, um, is it your opinion that those types of strategies are are important specifically because the type of – you know the the type of action you're trying to get somebody to do in a political campaign where actually go to the polls and vote for you um, or is it something that you feel like it's just kind of held over because um you know generally the you know the people who are politicians have been politicians for a long time and it's kind of the well this is the way we've always done it kind of
1: mentality what do you think i think there's a big shift going on right yeah. now in terms of the way that you deliver the message there's clearly the you know the social media and 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 ways you can do that i mean if one thing that Trump did show us that uh, the Twitters, uh, you know, actually do, do get read and they yeah. do, and they do shape opinions. So I think that it's for better uh, or for worse, <laughs> but uh, mostly for mostly worse. <laughs> yes, I I I would be happy to be quoted that way. But the um, but yeah, I think that is a change. But it's a change in you know, there's when was the last time you rented a blockbuster video? Uh,
0: you can't. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So so the so there is shifts, and I think that. Um, people who rely on, you know, uh, you know, if, if I still had a, if I still opened a, I had a blockbuster video store in my business, I, I wouldn't be doing much business. So I think the way you do, you have to be, um, creative with the resources you have, but you also got to understand that there is a change in terms of the way that you deliver messaging and, and the, the cost, uh, is a factor. Mm. So, but I, I don't think that there's anything that is stronger still than than the um, uh, you know the 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 commercial or the video the 30 second commercial to let people know who you are and and rattling off what's important to you and as long as you're being honest mm. and you're backing it up this well if I say education is important then I I work at it if I say small business is important then I work at it you can't just throw out. Uh, things and just have think of people, uh, you know, that won't match. If you don't yeah. match what you really – but the, the uh, you know, the the TV commercials uh, and, and the way that you use those are still very important. Um, but also now you're going to – you're really substituting some of the other things you talked about, um, you know, in terms of direct mailers. People don't really th- respond the same way. Mm. Certainly landlines and telephones are not the same as they were 20 years yep. ago. So the, 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 in terms of how you outreach with people – but I tell you, there's not the retail politics or campaigning of actually getting eyeball to eyeball with somebody, whether it's at their front door, or whether it's at the local, uh, you know, or the, the 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 parade, whether it's the Portuguese parade or the Irish parade or the Dominican parade. Um, you you can't you can't replace that. Yeah, that that's something that people want to see. They want you to be able to say hello to them. They yeah. want if they have questions for you, they're going to size you up. So I don't think that that will ever ever not be <laughs> right. at the high, highest point in the listen and, and when you're talking about 39 communities if you're only campaigning in three communities but you're saying all 39 are important uh people will you know realize that you you know you're not really being honest with them right. so the that face to face um that's that's never going to get replaced. I don't believe by any other type of marketing. That's your most important thing, in my opinion, is that eyeball to eyeball, saying hello to people, hearing what is on their mind, and that's what we've been about in our office, trying to get into different communities, different constituent groups. We've done the same thing on small business that we described. We're doing the same thing on healthcare issues, the Alzheimer's reports that we're involved in right now, updating those. We'll have a press conference next week. Uh, You know, talking about that we're going to have an updated five-year Alzheimer's uh, plan. You got to get out and talk to people who the caregivers are. We're going to be proposing uh, tax credits for the caregivers uh, very shortly. And so you need to make sure that you're out and about. And so from a campaign point of view, and I don't think there's any substitute for that.
0: Okay, excellent. Um, so you had touched um, a little bit on uh, on social media and just kind of you know the the magnifying glass that uh, the last ele- the last election cycle put on it. Um, how do you see? Do you see any changes happening to how um, how people in your position will approach social media for this election cycle? Kind of um, you know amid the controversy of the fake news and everything that happened in the last election.
1: Yeah. So I mean, it's a dangerous area, as you said, because you can uh, you can get um, You know, there's, you know, whether it's, you know, and again, I'm going to be limited on this, but the Facebook or your Twitter or your Instagram and all those type of things, I think that if you're consistent with your message and you you are honest with that, uh, I think that those are very important vehicles. I think that if you find that you're trying to use those in a way to craft an image of yourself that's not accurate, Mm. I think you're going to get caught on that. Mm. So I think there's a little, you know, certainly... It's a, it's, there's a big opportunity to communicate with people in an honest way, but also there's a big downside if you start uh, dealing with fake news or you start projecting information that's not accurate. I think that uh, because of the nature of the global nature of that and the fact that you can't take it back once it goes on mm, there, yeah. um, I think that that's, uh, you know, people will, once you get called on one inaccurate statement, that's, that's a problem long-term. Excellent.
0: Um, So what do you... one of the questions that I that I ask a lot of my guests, just because I do it personally, is that, you know, when I'm, you know, thinking of a campaign for a client or trying to think of ideas, you know, I'll look to, you know, other businesses who's, you know, who's marketing or admire, you know, people who, you know, do a good job with branding or their messaging. Are there any either, you know, contemporaries that you might have here locally or, you know, as part of your affiliation with the Lieutenant Governors Association that you look to, you know, for inspiration or ideas
1: when it comes to your marketing for campaigns? Well, I love the mayors. Uh, You know, I think that we all, as a former mayor, I think that they are right on the ground in their communities. Um, They, you know, they project this very positive uh, leadership. If if you poll out right now, the leadership in our state right now, uh, the mayors are very, very highly uh, thought of. And so I think that the mayors have done a good job. And I think that as as a mayor in our town, You know, in Cumberland, uh, you know, I try to always uh, project, uh, you know, um, in a way that is was very positive, and I think that that's a good lesson for the, you know, for state leaders to be looking at uh, how local leaders um, actually um, communicate and they project that image with their local community. So, I don't think that. I think it really comes down to that at Tip O'Neill. All politics is local, <laughs> and there's a great deal to be learned from local. Uh, you know, right back to the beginning of our conversation in terms of really being all in on your community. Hmm. I think that that's a uh, that's a good place to start in terms of. Um, uh, you know, I don't think there's, there's any there's any substitute for that on the ground, and the mayors get it. And whether it's uh, you know, and I could rattle off the mayors, but Mayor Palazzino, I already talked about Mayor Lombardi, Mayor Murray, Mayor Avedesian, Mayor Fung, um, Mayor Bordelli, Hunt, Mayor DiOS is a very good example of that. Um, so that's who I kind of lean on and and look towards in terms of what's happening in your community. What how, what how are you getting your message out? How can how can you help me get my message out?
2: Excellent.
1: That's that's really I think that where where it begins and ends. And that's why when you come into my office. Uh, we're very true this 39 theme each insignia for every community in the state of rhode island is right on the right on the wall we dug those up in the basement of the state house they've been down there for over a decade we put them up we repaired five or six of them and then right at the end when you come into my office and you i think you've been there have yeah. you been there yep. you'll see that there's a what is it? there's a there's a municipal hat rack okay and we we basically i t- let the municipal leaders know that you know, if I was able to be elected, uh, and as long as I'm at the state house, there's going to be a place for the municipal leaders to hang their hat. Oh, that's great! And I think that that's that's where uh, that you know, it sounds uh, sounds pretty uh, basic, and it's not like well, this big. This yeah. is not this big uh, story that uh, you know, uh, which I could tell you some of my interactions with some of the, uh, and I respect them, but I, I think you get your inspiration from your local leaders. Excellent,
0: mm. um, Lieutenant Governor. Thank you so much for coming in and yes. doing this. So I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, uh, what uh, if there's anything I might have missed or anything? Any last message you'd like to get out to the people who are listening? What would that be?
1: Uh, only that my office door is open, uh, and uh, we're dealing with a multiple a multitude of issues: small business, the, the veterans' issues, uh, you know, uh, long-term care issues. Um, education issues. So my door is open. You have an idea that you think that would help improve the state of Rhode Island, as small as it might sound to you. I'm interested in hearing it. I'm in room 116. Come on down and pay me a visit. I, um, I, I just want to offer a,
0: you know a firsthand um, you know 1st account I, ca- I can speak to the fact that what you're saying isn't lip service and you may not even remember this but when you were still mayor of Cumberland uh, we had a mutual friend and this is when I was running another business I was uh, I was doing mobile phones and I was doing um, expense management and he had connected the two of us and you, you let me come in your office and you know kind of say my piece and it wasn't a you know wasn't a fit at the time but um you know I was very new and very green um, at that point and just you know to be able to take your time out of a very busy day meant a lot to me and um you know just kind of being able to you know kind of get those reps so to speak to be able to kind of meet with somebody like yourself and um you know it was very very helpful to me so i can uh, i can speak firsthand that you know what you say when you and you know we've met you know sub- subsequently since then i can tell you that your door is open and you are very accessible so thank you very much for what you're doing well
1: i thank you for coming in and saying hello because i think that everybody's important although uh, you know the 39 communities we put it right on there everyone counts Excellent. Thank you so much again yes. for
0: coming in. And thank you all for leaving uh, listening. Um and uh before you uh before we let you go, we have uh your last song. Um and my personal belief is your it's, uh, your best year
1: five. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's why you left at the last what, what's, what's exactly. are we playing? Midnight <laughs> you know? Rider by the Almond Brothers. That's right. So I mean that was a time frame. I could have took Jackson Brown band, right? I could have took uh you know a number of those bands, but uh we enjoyed listening to the Almond Brothers.
0: Excellent. All yes. right. Yes, uh Lieutenant Governor, thank you again so much for coming in. And uh you have been listening to to the Main Street Marketers on 88.7 WJMF, the beat of Bryant University.